You're listening to Campus Review Radio. Switzerland is the country that consistently ranks number one on the Global Innovation Index and on the Global Competitiveness Index as well. GDP per capita is the highest in the world or among the highest depending on the source and statistics you choose. May there be a recipe which the Swiss ambassador could proudly present and, and hand out to other governments? Well, handling a recipe would presuppose that there is a cook, for example, a government. And in that sense, the answer, unfortunately, must be no. To make that point unmistakably clear, the Swiss State Secretary for Education, Research and Innovation once said, I quote loosely, Switzerland is so innovative because it does not have an innovation policy. The Swiss success is not based on top-down government intervention, but rather on a multitude of factors which are allowed to work bottom-up, thanks to innovation-friendly framework conditions, which let that system flourish on its own. In order to keep my presentation short, I will not list and present here the whole range of Swiss institutions and innovation promotion instruments. Competitive grant systems, for instance, uh, for scientific projects, are quite common today on a global level. It's a global practice. I will rather focus on the peculiar, unique factors of the Swiss success in, in innovation. And I would also stress here that this boasting, uh, boasting statistics, uh, commenting on them, I would not be a Swiss if, if we would not always try to find some self-critical point and in statistics, as you know, you find everything if, if you, if you uh, falsify uh, they themselves. So if you compare those statistics of Switzerland in uh, competitiveness and in innovation in particular with regions and not with other nations, then the situation is a different one. Take uh, Baden-Württemberg, southern Germany. This is a, a, a hub in innovation which, which might dominate Switzerland on five out of six factors. I can show you the statistics uh, uh, later if you will. The same goes to, uh, to the northern Italian region. Despite the fact that Italy is, is the lowest in, in the comparison we usually make in innovation factors between Switzerland and other states, if you take one specific region in the north, then it's not the same. Then we're roughly on, on, on the same level. So there is always room for improvement. Instead of entering into the, the competitive grant systems, I will here first outline briefly the principles of the framework provided by government and the state. And second, I will describe its most important pillar, which is the public education system and its interaction with industries. The framework. There are a few principles of the Swiss political system which are also essential to guarantee the innovation-friendly framework. I would like to mention two of them, subsidiarity and liberal economy. Subsidiarity in our political system means that every task and responsibility in public affairs is left to the lowest and most local level possible. In Switzerland there is one confederation, but there are 26 cantons. 
cantons are comparable to states in Australia, but the size of Switzerland is smaller than Tasmania in territory, and still we have 26 states or cantons. And among those, or within those 26 cantons, the next lower level are the municipalities, and there are 2,300 of them in Switzerland. Now, the 26 cantons or states will not intervene with their municipalities unless it is necessary, and, unless the, conf and the confederation will not intervene with the cantons unless it is necessary or they are asked to do so. The autonomy of cantons and municipalities extends even to the levying of taxes, and that's where Switzerland is quite unique on the globe. The biggest share of my tax invoice when I'm living in Switzerland goes to the canton, the second biggest to the confederation and the smallest then to the municipality. And the entity on every one of those three levels can decide autonomously about raising or lowering those taxes according to the needs discussed and decided on the very same political level. The cantons have clear areas of responsibility, notably in education and health, and have to raise their own taxes on their own territory to pay for the services they provide. This provides for a clear sense of accountability and ownership. Apart from the two federal institutes of technology, all ten Swiss universities and the seven universities of applied sciences are cantonal universities, so on the state level, with all the responsibilities involved. This makes people feel proud of their university and it strengthens the local political will to assure adequate funding. The principle of non-intervention unless, non unless necessary in the federal political system is valid for the economy as well. Companies shall have the maximum of autonomy when developing their business. An innovation policy intervening into the activity of private economy would fundamentally contradict that principle. The highest autonomous political structures and the liberal principle provide for a third important framework condition, stability. Stability of the framework conditions, politically, legally, allows companies to plan ahead and to make long-term investment decisions such as research and development without having to fear constant rule changes. Mm. Keep in mind that nowadays research and development in investments become higher and heavier and they are more uh, uh, focused on long-term development than uh, a few decades ago. So the long-term perspective, stability and trust is essential. The Swiss political system with its many popular vote decisions on all three levels is slow. And because the government is slow, it is stable. And this is what allows innovators to be fast and flexible. If the state secretary said that Switzerland has no innovation policy, he obviously referred to the lack of state intervention. He did not refer, however, to the following public task, education. The key factor number one of Swiss innovation capacity is an exceptionally strong public education system. This is my second point. On the primary level, Public schools ensure that children from all parts of society, wealthy and less wealthy, urban and rural, 
are effectively encouraged developing their skills to the best possible use. Private schools are rare in Switzerland. I, I, frankly, I, I don't know anybody who went to a private school, private, uh, um, uh, pri private school on primary level. This egalitarianism values merit over descent and arguably leads to the best selection of talents in the country. It is a system which allows everybody to get a fair go, as you say. After the compulsory nine years of school, a most typical Swiss factor comes into play, the vocational and professional education and training system in Switzerland. It is based on a specific economic culture and on a diverse, strong network of educational institutions. Two-thirds of all young people in Switzerland around the age of 16, two-thirds, coming out of compulsory education after nine years, enroll in vocational education and training, which provides them with a solid foundations in, giving, in, in a given occupation. There are around 230 occupations to choose from, ranging from commercial employee, electrician and cook, right away to IT technician, automotive mechanic and carpenter. This sector forms the basis for lifelong learning and opens up a wealth of job prospects. The professionals coming out of this system are young, they're just 18, 19 years old, but they're professionals. They're highly qualified, they're creative, and they're proud practitioners motivated to develop their special skills to perfection. This is the basis you need for innovation on the practical level. The combination and intertwining of that workforce with top-level university engineering of any kind leads to our top innovation potential, not only in big companies, but particularly in small and medium enterprises. The backbone of these enterprises are citizens who spent their teenage years not in a high school, but in a vocational and professional education. Two-thirds of all research and development activities in Switzerland are financed and implemented by private industries, not by government, not by the state. A considerable part of innovation, of the commercial exploitation of new knowledge in that sense, is driven by small and medium enterprise. In comparison to other European countries, the Swiss small and medium enterprises are exceptionally innovative and internationally competitive. Let me just quote the example of a highly specialized entrepreneur inventing and selling new medical devices with a company of less than 20 employees, who, who told me his story and uh, we, we, we discussed the, their challenges. When that company sells a new expensive product, for instance, uh, surgical instruments that, that, that are new in, 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 in their way of handling or in their composition, innovative. In many cases, it can do so, it, it can sell those instruments for seven to 12 months only at the price they need. By then, some Asian competitor will have copied that device and, device and will sell it for half the price. This means that while selling one product, the development of the next product needs to be in the pipeline of that company's research and development already. 
to replace the older product as soon as it is copied. Only by doing so successfully, the high salaries in Switzerland, the highest in the world, can be paid and the company can survive. The president of the Zurich Federal Institute of Techno for Technology, ETH, one of the top 10 universities in the world, once said that by the time he becomes aware of a new trend, it is one year too late. And by the time politicians become aware of it, it is five years too late. That's why the Federal Institute of Technology is driven by the researchers themselves. So what is valid for innovative industries goes for universities as well. The bottom-up approach is a key factor for rapid reaction and dynamic development. Ladies and gentlemen, let me finish by presenting one last principle of the Swiss educational and economic system. A high degree of openness and permeability. This not only goes for international openness and cooperation with the UN, uh, the EU, excuse me, um, but it goes also for the career system which, which follows the, the educational system or which follows the, the, the teenage years of the Swiss. The two-thirds of Swiss teenagers who rather follow a vocational professional education than going to high school or college, they know that they can take up the climbing of the academic ladder again whenever they want to in the future. At some point in their 20s or 30s, they might decide to continue their lifelong learning at a technical university and become engineers. But what kind of engineers will they become? They will become engineers with an unbeaten practical knowledge on different levels of their company. This is how the intertwining between academia and industries, which is so essential for innovation, we heard that by the minister, actually is a part of a social fabric in Switzerland. And that element is part of a local culture. The minister also spoke about culture of innovation. Part of local culture can probably not be translated into a global recipe easily.